Kick it off the 5 o'clock hour. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. We're doing it with a little bit of Major League Baseball talk presented by our friends at New Leaf Wellness looking to get in shape, lose weight. They can do that and a whole lot more for you at New Leaf Wellness. We got Zach Reimer here with us from Bleacher Report. Zach, how you doing as we get ready for the 4th of July? I'm doing quite well. It's good to be back with you guys. Always fun talking baseball with you. And before we get into some of the nuts and bolts here, now we've seen the Stars and Stripe uniforms that have come out uh, already. Some trickled out yesterday in the uh, games as we go through the 4th of July. Look, I love America. Call me a patriot. But these uniforms are terrible. Am I alone here? (laughs) Yeah, uh, they're a little over the top. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I... You know, I have more thoughts on kind of where the cross-section of sports and patriotism is these days, but that's that's where I could probably go on a rant, and I don't want to <laughs> do that and take the rest of your guys' show. I get you. I, I get you there, and it just, I don't know. I don't know if tacky is the right word. It just, there, there's something a little bit off with it. You know, put some bunting up, the red, white, and blue. I'm okay with it. it. It just feels like they've gone a little bit too far. But that aside, we got plenty of baseball to get into, and let's do that right now. I want to start here in the Midwest and start up uh, with the Cubs. As the Cubs continue to chase down Milwaukee, very tight in that race as it goes on. Yet the Cubs have had different issues at different times. Rizzo has struggled throughout the season. The little bit they've got out of you, Darvish, has frankly not been very good. You look at the rotation, question marks remain. Chatwood has been a disaster, on and on and on, yet there's one big, bright, bleeding star, and, and that is the play of Javi Baez. Am I going too far? I love watching Javi play, not just what he can do with the bat and the monster shots that he has, but especially what he does with the glove. Am I getting ahead of myself talking about him uh, being an MVP race fixture for the Cubs this season? He's He's having a heck of a year, and my whole thing about Javier Baez is that you know, up until this year, the moments when he was visible, where he was doing things, he looked like one of, if not the best player in Major League Baseball. Just the way he could just totally take over a game on defense, he could hit a long home run, he could do something with, uh, with his legs on the bases. It seems like, you know, when he was visible, there's nothing he can't do. But then there were all those times where he just completely disappeared. He's swinging at everything at the plate, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, doing boneheaded things on defense, whatever it may be where there were like two sides to the coin where one side was this amazing, amazing player, and then this one side was this a guy who just was kind of just throwing himself around there with really no idea what he's doing. What we're seeing this year is just a more consistent Javier Baez, and when we, you get a more consistent Javier Baez, you just see more glimpses of that player who is this amazing talent. Um, given his history, I, it's always been in my mind, like, okay, at some point, this is not going to last. Like, is this, how much has this guy actually changed? You know, he's still swinging a lot. Uh, he still can do some frustrating things, you know, just trying to elevate his athleticism over his feel for the game. But, you know, listen, if you're the Cubs, you take it while it lasts. And if you're a baseball fan, you enjoy it while it lasts because mm-hmm. I, I cannot stress enough, when Javier Baez is playing well, it is so much fun to watch, and there really are a few sites quite like it. So you take it while it lasts. Um, it is the Milwaukee Brewers, Chicago Cubs, and St. Louis Cardinals that most people believe uh, will still be in the hunt after we get past the All-Star break in the National League Central. 
Is this the year that the Brewers unseat the Cubs, or will the Cubs in the second half, like they did last year, uh, start to find a way and pull away? As of now, I still have the Cubs as a team to beat in that division. Um, it, it seems like every time I've talked about the Cubs this year, it's been like kind of the same talking points over and over, where it's just like the individual parts are mostly fine. A lot of good hitters, you know, the pitching staff, the starting rotation has been frustrating, but not necessarily terrible. Bullpen's been much improved this year, but it has been a situation where it seems like whenever one facet of the team is working, the other facets aren't working. And it's just been kind of this two steps forward, two steps back thing all season long. But the roster is fine. Uh, it's No more is that obvious than in their run differential, which is plus 99. That's the best in the National League. You kind of take that as a sign that this team is better than it's shown so far, and that at a certain point it is going to come together and they're going to take off. Uh, the fear, if you're a Cubs, uh, you know, player, front office personnel, coach, whatever it may be, fan, the fear is that you know they'll stay the same through the trade deadline, but the Brewers and Cardinals will get better and completely upend the equation in that division. Because right now, I think the Cubs are the best team, but the Brewers and Cardinals are good enough to a point where one or two little tweaks, and they could be just on the, right on the Cubs level. So uh, of the races in the National League, that could be, probably will be the best one down the stretch. You know, the the Brewers have a back end of a bullpen that is excellent. They continue to add to the offense. They have a great farm system with parts coming up that they can trade away. You know, people talk about them needing another starter. couple of names that I've heard bandied about, Jay Happ with the Blue Jays. Cole Hamels, if you're going to be able to take on a little bit of salary down in Texas, a couple of guys that might be available outside of, you know, the DeGroms and Syndergaards out, out with the Mets. What are some other names of starting pitching that we're going to hear? Certainly not the type, top flight talent that sometimes we're used to hearing come this time. Uh, well, one guy who's worth watching at this point is Danny Duffy in Kansas City. He hmm. got up to a really, really slow start, uh, but he's recently been coming back around. Uh, his contract is no longer at a point where it looks like a steal, but it's still not that bad coming into the year. I think it was four years, $60 million, so you're going to get him for three more years after this one. Could be a guy that, you know, you sneak in there and grab him. You could be set for the stretch run and the years after that. Um, and listen, at this point, Matt Harvey actually has some trade value. He's really rebuilt his velocity as time has gone along and is really starting to hit a groove now in his last few starts with the Reds, so... Another guy to watch, uh, Tyson Ross, who's also rebuilt his value this year. Two injury marred seasons in 2016-2017. Now he's back. His stuff looks good. He's pitching well for the Padres. So, uh, you know, you could go on and on and on with the the starting pitching market because it feels like it's pretty deep this year. I'm curious when the Manny Machado rumors will really start to circulate. Are we going to wait till after the All-Star break? Is that going to kind of be the launching pad? I mean, there's been one or two kind of slide out, but nothing ever came of that. I just thought it would be a much hotter topic than it is right now. Well, there happens to be a report out today from uh, Ken Rosenthal, the you know, obviously of the Athletic and NLV Network and seemingly everywhere else, he reported that uh, the Orioles actually want to act sooner than later in the Machado sweepstakes. I guess the reason being that, you know, the sooner they act, the more, uh, you know, control that Machado's new team is going to get over him, which can only help his value. So it all makes sense. Uh, But, you know, as always, the question is how much are teams willing to pay for 
this guy who's this amazing hitter but is not proving to be much of a defensive shortstop and who's also a rental at the end of the year. So it's a fascinating situation. I, it's, it'll be a shock if he doesn't get moved, but it is, a, it is an interesting question where he's going to go and how much they're going to pay for him. So we'll see. Talking right now with Zach Reimer from Bleacher Report, lead MLB writer there as we take a look around Major League Baseball. And, well, the uh, first couple days this week after getting swept, I've been lamenting the uh, lost season for my Minnesota Twins. The Twins came into the year certainly with expectations. They, they were a team that many people anticipated was going to be a team if not winning the division, being in the wild card race, well, the wild card race is all but over. And just because the Indians have scuffled a bit, at least for their expectations, have the Twins remained in it. Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, the two future stars, they're down on the farm. The free agent signings that they brought in have not worked out at all with Lance Lynn on the mound and on the other side of DH with Logan Morris. And it's just, it's been one thing after another. The thing for me, Zach, as a fan, if you would have told me before the year, you know what, Trent, the Twins actually aren't going to be very good. They're going to have some injuries and, and some problems. I would have been okay with that because I was still excited about the future and what they could be. But with what we've seen with a lot of these young guys, I'm not nearly as excited about the future. Can you pump me up at all? No, this season has been about as big a disaster as you, you seem to think it is. Um there's really no way to sugarcoat it. I was actually high on the Twins coming into the year as well. You know, I really liked what they did over the offseason in terms of bringing in kind of undervalued guys to round out the depth that they had in an already pretty solid team that went to the playoffs last year. So it was like, okay, you know, I don't think they could take down the Indians this year, but they're going to be a wild card contender at least. But it really has just been Murphy's Law taking a, a sledgehammer to them. Like nothing has gone right. And the way in which it's also extended to the young guys who are supposed to be the core for this team's, you know, long-term contention chances is just is insult to injury. The best thing they can do now is kind of accept their current reality and, you know, not rebuild, but certainly retool at the trade deadline. And the good news for them, the one piece of good news that they have this year is that they're pretty well off in terms of pending free agents that they can shop at the deadline. Eduardo Escobar is the big one. Lance Lynn is going to have some value. Brian Dozier could be a, a player of interest for quite a few teams. Zach Duke, another one. Maybe even some of the guys who have options for next year, like a Fernando Rodney, Logan Morrison is one of those guys. And he's kind of running out of time to show he's healthy, but Irvin Santana is in that group as well. So they could be a very, very active seller uh, in the coming weeks. And, uh, you know, through that process could make their future that much brighter. You know, you mentioned sellers, and I'm a big proponent. If if the Twins are going to be making moves and trading away a guy like Dozier who comes to the end of his contract, whoever it may be, do it now because, Zach, you know the standings. You know how to look at it. I mean, there are so many sellers and so few teams that might be buyers come the trade deadline. If you're going to do something, does it make sense to get to the front of that cart? Yeah, and, you know, in their case, Specifically, it just doesn't make sense to hold on to these guys who are going to head into free agency anyway. You might as well get something for them while you can. So uh, in their case, more than like any other team, it really is pretty straightforward. Like, you know, you don't, you don't have a choice. You have to sell because these are the pieces you have to sell. and You really can't hang on to them. So it's really that straightforward in their case. So last night I, I get home a little bit late last evening and I see the Yankees and Braves are in extra innings. So I flip it on. Ronald Acuna, who I've been keeping an eye on because he's on one of my fantasy teams, is a big reason for it. 
He comes up to bat and uh, barely gets a home run, but he gets a home run. Acuna and these baby Braves. Fill us in. I haven't watched a ton of the Bravos. It's not like the old days when you just flip on TBS and there they are. Tell us a little bit more about this squad and, and how much staying power do they have for 2018? They're a fun team. I, it, it's fair to say that they're ahead of schedule where, where they are this season. I think it would have been fair to expect them to you know return to contention probably more in 2019, maybe 2020 at the latest, but uh, what's happened this season is that guys like Ozzy Albies, you mentioned Acuna, uh, and Dansby Swanson to a certain extent have essentially lived up to the hype of what they were going to be as the core of this young offense going forward. And you got Freddie Freeman, always hits at an MVP level, and Nick Markakis yeah. found the fountain of youth somewhere. I don't really know how to explain that one. Uh, what doesn't really get enough credit, um, the Braves pitching isn't great, I would say, but it's been pretty good. And a big reason for that is guys like, once again, it's the young guys. It's like Mike, Mike Fultinevich has a 202 ERA. Sean Newcomb, uh, better control this year, and the stuff always did play. So there he is with a 271 ERA. Uh, and then you have a, a, you know, another reclamation project like Annabelle Sanchez. It's just, they have a lot of good players, is <laughs> what is the short of it. And when you have a lot of good players, you're going to win a lot of games. And there they are. And at this point, I think it's, safe to say that they are not going to go away and if you're the Phillies if you're the Nationals especially uh should probably have a sense of urgency about the rest of the season because the division lead is not going to just fall in your lap Zach uh, it's always good thank you so much as always for your time have a uh, a great uh, off day tomorrow uh, and enjoy it and uh, we'll catch up to you then with more uh, baseball conversation thank you man sounds good thank you so much for having me that's Zach Reimer, Bleacher Report, Major League Baseball, right here on the Big Talker 1700. You know, Trent, it's, it's interesting because when, you, when we sit here and we talk about holidays, and like tomorrow, there's going to be baseball games everywhere. Mm-hmm. Christmas, Christmas Day, there's NBA games all over the place. Uh, a lot of times you're playing college football on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve and NFL games on Christmas and, and New Year's. It's, it's just amazing to me how the sports calendar shakes out and, and everybody is still playing while the rest of the nation is having a day off. It's it, it just amazes me sometimes. Well, there's always sports, Jimmy B. There's always something really the yep. only quiet day that we get is right after the All-Star break and the day after the All-Star game. You get that day, but then we get the ESPYs, and there's always things that we can pull out of there and talk about. And, uh, well, with it, I'll have high school baseball going on as we'll be getting ready for the state tournament that week. So yeah. there's always something, Jim. That There's never a quiet moment. It is 365, 24-7. Boy, you got that right when it comes to sports. All right, uh, quick break. We're coming right back, everybody, right here on the Big Talker 1700. Welcome back, everybody. We continue here on a Tuesday in the capital city on the Big Talker 1700. John Cannon has been on the program. He's, like, hijacking the show uh, because of all of the wild things that are now taking place in the National Basketball Association. And he joins us right now. John, it seems that the rich get richer. So the Golden State Warriors, the best team in the NBA, now 
has DeMarcus Cousins as their starting center. What is going on here, pal? Well, first of all, I don't think he's going to start you know, anytime soon. In fact, one of the things that makes this a good fit is that the Warriors don't need him right away. And he had this Achilles injury in, I think, December, maybe January. So while he is saying he'll be back at the start of camp, um, they're saying, whoa, you know, let's take our time on this. And it, there was a very good chance, guys, that they were not going to even use this mid-level exception. That was one of the options on the table they were looking at very closely until Kevin Durant signed a contract that, and I'm not a salary cap guy, the first thing I'm going to tell you, but my understanding is because he signed a one-year deal with a one-year option, it was for a little less money per year than if he had signed a two-year deal with a one-year option. He could make more down the line with this, so it benefits him. But in the meantime, he got about $5 million less for this coming year. And the Warriors are so far over the cap that every dollar they spend costs them, I think, about $1.75. So a $5 million contract for them costs about $22 million when you add in the luxury tax. So they were willing to take a pass on that if they couldn't get exactly this. If they could not get a player at way below market value, they were going to let the mid-level exception just go this year and go with what they've got, minimum salaries around, except for the, you know, the studs. So with that, you know, they, they, had, they had leverage, really, and DeMarcus Cousins got no offers. I mean, that's what people are really upset about, you know, mad at the Warriors for doing this. It's not like they went and enticed him and said, oh, you should turn down that $15 million over there because we can win a ring over here. He didn't have $15 million anywhere. So he called them, and it was a fish that jumped in the boat. This Boogie Cousins. Now, th- though he's a great player, there is baggage there. There is a guy that is temperamental, a guy that has been yeah. in trouble. Improved upon that. You could see that last season before the injury. But, but there are still question marks. There are still concerns there with what Golden State has built, with what they have as a team. I know it's not a huge concern, I'm going to guess, for you, John, but does it linger at all for you? Okay, I've got a question for you, Trent. Yeah. Who did Steve Kerr hire as his lead assistant his very first year coaching the Warriors? Uh, I have no idea. Jim? Steve Kerr hired this past season, you're saying? No, his very first season when he really needed someone he really trusted sitting next to him on the bench, year one. It, was, who was it wasn't Luke assistant? Walton. He was only there for one was year. It, was it Luke Walton? No, that was the second year. First year was oh, Alvin okay. Gentry. It was Alvin, Alvin Gentry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, who was Steve Kerr's coach in Phoenix when Steve Kerr was the GM? Alvin Gentry. Wow. I'm telling you, there is no way they make this move. There's no way they accept this offer by Boogie Cousins to jump in the boat if they don't get a really good sign-off from Alvin Gentry. New Orleans was not going to re-sign him. It didn't have anything to do with his personality. It had to do with the fact that they found a, a way to win without him. 
using big men after they were very good after he left. And then they, they got a chance to pick up this Randall once uh, the Lakers renounced his, his salary. And so it, it wasn't personal. They just didn't have a spot for him. And I, but but the, there are deep ties between Kerr and Gentry. And if Boogie Cousins was going to be any kind of problem for the Warriors, they would have known about it. Nope. See the stuff you All guys right. don't get anywhere else? I mean, nobody gets this no, stuff. I, no, I just, I, I, to say there's no concern, though, I mean, isn't that, that's got to, that's short-sighted. Yeah. No concern at all? Come on. This okay, is Boogie me, Cousins we're talking JaVale about here. McGee's reputation? It, it wasn't close to what, as bad as Boogie Cousins is. Only because he's not as high-profile a player. Sure. But JaVale McGee, but that's that a part signing of was ridiculed. It was, it, well, this is a one-year deal. And guys, this is a one-year deal only. I mean, this will not be a, better than, a, a more than one-year deal. If he goes out and plays great, the Warriors can only offer him, I think it's 125% of what they're signing him for this year. Mm-hmm. That's the mid-level exception rule. And it's, it's designed for this. It's designed to keep you from getting a guy in on a mid-level exception and then getting him like a max deal. So if he's great this year, he'll go get his hundred and something million dollars someplace. If he's terrible this year, they don't have any commitment to him. He will be with the Warriors for one year, probably more like half of one year, the second half of one year. And... And that's their only commitment to him. So it really, it's very low risk. If he's a, a head case, they just don't use him. You know, they weren't going to sign anybody with that, with that slot. So it's, it's really, a, it is a match made in heaven, really. He, he gets what he wants. He gets a chance to, number one, play in the playoffs, which he's never done. Play with, in a winning environment, which he's only done once. This last year, the, the New Orleans was winning when he was playing there. And remember, I think a lot of us would lose our minds playing for several years in Sacramento. I would. I can tell you that right now. Um, yeah. All right, let's jump Let's jump to another team uh, closer to home, Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, apparently now there's a major riff between Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns on the T-Wolves. And apparently also Tom Thibodeau, the coach, is... Uh, I, I guess having some issues with players as well. So does this mean that Jimmy Butler says he's not going to sign an extension? They're not going to kick Cat Carl Anthony Towns out of town. The, is Butler on the trading block? And if so, John, who would be the appropriate team that could go get him? Well, okay. First of all, I don't. I haven't been reading TMZ, so I'm not up on the, the gossip in in, uh, in Timberwolf land. Although I can tell you that I did read that they they signed Tolliver to a contract that basically suddenly hard caps them. Now, now they're really out of options in terms of what they can do because of the, of the, the contract that they gave to Tolliver, which is which has people around the league scratching their heads. Uh, uh-huh. This is, I mean, this is a complicated thing to do, running a, a, an NBA team. There are a lot of things you can do wrong, and, and a lot of teams do those things, you know, all the time. Um, and as far as who could go get Butler or who, I, I, you know, I just don't know. I don't know who has room, who has need. I'm just, I'm, I'm not that guy. I, I'm sorry about that. I disappoint you guys. I'm, I was the only reason I asked, because with what the Lakers have done, signing guys to just one-year deals... If they wanted to cut bait with Jimmy Butler, 
and they were looking to have all of this, all of that money off the books, Butler's contract, if they shipped him to the Lakers and took on a couple of those one-year deals, Rajon Rondo, who's played for Thibodeau before, and one or two other guys in the deal, then the following season they would be way under the cap, money off the books, those guys gone, and could probably do some some damage in, in free agency. was just the thought of mine when I read about the Butler and Carl Anthony Towns rift. That's all. Well, and the only thing, Jim, I say about that is that it really runs contrary to what the Lakers look like they're trying to do. I don't think they need Butler, um, another really high-profile guard, uh, who kind of needs the ball and has a long-term deal, right? So they, they've got those expiring contracts in L.A. for a reason. They, they, they yes. like them, and they're trying to, to get Kawhi, uh, if not in a trade this year, as a, you know, as a, as a free agent next year. And, and Kawhi and Butler kind of play the same position, right? They're both basically two guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I think unless for some reason they're willing to wave a white flag on, on Kawhi, I don't see them being the landing spot for Butler. If I were Butler, I'd try to get back to the East, man. He could, he, he could, <laughs> he could just dial in the All-Star game every year in the East. It's the way to do it. It's the way to do it. What, back to, to your team, Golden State, and uh, the expectations coming in this year. We, we don't know right now when Boogie Cousins is going to be available. Still, this team is absolutely stacked. Still, you look at last season, injuries, taking time off. We saw Steph Curry battling injury all season long. What's the realistic expectation? Last year you came in here saying, I think they were going to go 82-0, something close to that, John. But, but what should be the baseline? What, what would you They're put the Vegas They're going to win 79 games this year. No, I, I am uh... <laughs> Okay, so last year where I really whiffed is I, I did not understand the, the emotional – drag they were going to be under to, you know, the, how little the, the regular season was going to mean to them after going to the finals three times in a row and winning it twice. And how the, the kind of the excitement, the newness of having Durant that previous year forced them to, to be focused, forced them to really work at the regular season in order to get all the pieces together so they were ready for the playoffs. And, and where I saw bringing just about the whole team back as a positive, it wound up, you know, being a negative. And also that their bench was significantly less than everybody expected it to be. Now, Nick Young, you know, I didn't have great expectations for, um, and, and he didn't even meet my expectations. Uh, Omri Caspi was a disaster. Patrick McCaw was not the player they hoped he would develop into in his second year. So they really were weak on the bench. Um, so that's what, what kind of created that, that thing. I think they're going to struggle the same way during the regular season this year. As I, although, as I said, there's four games against the Lakers that they're going to be a lot more interested in than they were last year. And, and really, there's almost no one they can sleep on in the whole West. And they play two-thirds of their games against the West. So I would say game-wise, I think 65. Mm-hmm. You know, I think 65 and 17 sounds like it kind of makes sense. It's you know fairly dominant. I mean, they'll they should win their division. They'll they'll be in the conversation for the best record in the West and maybe in the league. Although you know if somebody gets really hot in the East, uh, you know you could see somebody going sixty-five to seventy wins, couldn't you, Jim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, look, this so is. Many... The... Go ahead, John. 
there's so many walkover games in the East that you can yes. see, you know, Philadelphia or Boston really piling up a lot of wins. With that, so we come into another season where Golden State is the clear-cut favorite, and Houston, the Lakers now, Celtics, Sixers, whoever comes out of the East. We see the TV numbers continue to be good. We see that revenue continues to be great in the league. Is there ever a tipping point, a tipping point where this is bad for the NBA? Dude, we're going to find it. If there, if there yeah. is, we, we are going to find out because, you know, I agree with you. This is, uh, so far, the, the sports fans love a dominant team. They love to have one. They love to either hate them or love them. And, and man, you know, do they ever. And Houston, so here's two days. We talked yesterday about what the LeBron signing means to Houston. It's like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Now we got them to deal with in the West. We've got to play them four times. We might have a series against them before we even get to the Warriors. And we didn't build our team to stop LeBron James. We built our team to try to stop the Warriors and the switchy thing that they do. So that's problem number one. And then on Tuesday, suddenly the Warriors add DeMarcus Cousins. Now, you try pick-and-roll defense on a Steph Curry-DeMarcus Cousins pick-and-roll. With James Harden involved, how's that work? Yeah. So I mean, Houston has taken two giant steps backward in two days, and they haven't done anything themselves. John, the the rest, um, it's bad. Yeah. Okay. So let me just follow up here. Is there? I look. I know with LeBron now with the Lakers, uh, the West is going to get all kinds of prime TV coverage. But for the East Coast and even in the Midwest, for the East Coast, those games don't even begin until ten thirty, and in the Midwest, they begin around nine thirty. Is the NBA afraid at all that their best teams with the most high-profile players? are not going to be seen? Are they concerned about West Coast rankings? That's a good question, Jimmy. And I think they, they probably are. But they also, they've always had West Coast games. They've always had doubleheaders on TNT. And, and the, the late game has always, you know, either, either performed or not. But it, it's outside the window that most advertisers look at. So it almost doesn't really matter, right? It, especially on, on the East Coast. I, I do think that you're going to see a lot of Boston and Philly, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And whatever Eastern team they can, you know, they can conjure the Knicks might be more interesting this year, and you might see the Knicks, the Bucks. Uh, but I, I agree, they've got to get some TV numbers out of the Eastern, you know. And, and, and believe me, whenever the Western teams go East, you are going to, you know, they're going to be on TV. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the, the latest directive in, in putting the schedule together, which is not together yet. Is Make sure that not all the Western teams are on the East at the same time so that there are always right. games against Eastern teams to show the Western teams on TV. Well, John, uh, going to be interesting. We'll dial you up again. I don't know who they're going to get. Watching a lot of World Cup today. They'll get Ronaldo or whoever else for your Golden State Warriors. And uh, Who's next? <laughs> that would be, they'll probably trade for Kawhi. I mean, it's, it's, 
It's getting ridiculous, but a lot of fun. Always teach him how to take a charge, at least. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We'll talk soon, John. Enjoy. Here's, here's how you take July. a charge and you wind up in the third row. This is this is what we do. This is great. Be All good. right, guys. Thanks a lot. Yep, that's John Cannon checking in with him. You can find him on Twitter at Sports. Jimmy B, good for the league, bad for the league. Where do you sit with this one? I, I don't mind the Boogie Cousins deal because he initiated the conversation himself. And, Trent, he probably won't even be able to play until we're in the dead of winter, like really in January sometime. Um, and it's only a one-year deal. So I'm not really that concerned with, with it. What I am concerned about is, is that all of the big-name players, with the exception what John talked about, Philly and Boston all reside in the West. And I, I know that it's it's cyclical, that it'll probably come back to the East. But, man, oh, man, this has got to be a tough one on the NBA. It, it really is. And how they're going to get those West Coast teams in prime time to sell the product. That's really going to be a headache, I think, for scheduling. I really think that John hit on something there. When he talked about you can't have all the West teams in the East all at the same time. You're going to kind of have to rotate them through so you can put them in that primetime window on TV. So it'll be interesting from that standpoint. I'm not, I'm not totally sworn off the league as far as the Warriors and then everybody else. I want to see a little bit how it kind of shakes out and see. I don't think we're done here with free agency and trades. So I think by the time we get maybe into August, we might have a a much better idea what teams are going to look like. But if it continues like this, Trent, that's bad, and it'll be bad for the NBA. That was John Cannon. Jimmy B. also in love with the NBA. I'm getting there, but uh, it's the inevitable. Well, before it was inevitable, Cavs, Warriors, and now it's just Warriors and whoever they're going to face. Takes away some of the fun, at least for me as a casual fan. But uh, young people love it. Ratings continue to be very good. As uh, most other sports continue to trickle down, we will see about the future of that and a lot to talk about. We're coming back. We're putting a cap on things on the other side with you until 6 o'clock here tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back, everybody. We continue right here on the Big Talker 1700. We take you up to the top of the hour. Trent, look, I I know that we kind of yuck it up a little bit about World Cup and the guys that uh, pretend they get hurt and flop on the field like a fish out of water. But, man, oh, man, that Columbia game that we were watching for a while and, and then started the show. I mean, this game was unbelievable with Columbia and England, and you had England score Harry Kane with a goal, and then Columbia scores during stoppage time, and it goes into penalty kicks, and England finds a way to win. So my question to you, after they play stoppage time and then two extra times, are you okay with penalty kicks then, or do you just want to see them play until they can't play anymore? Uh, I'm I'm not a soccer purist. You got to get this thing over at some point, right? I mean, you have to. I agree. You have to come to a conclusion at some way. I personally, I don't know if this is again not being a soccer guy. I don't know if this has been bandied about. How about every five minutes you take a guy off and and, 
by the end, you might be playing one-on-one for all you know, a couple of goalies <laughs> against each other. But but yeah. after you get past the two 15-minute halves of, of extra time, when you get to that, start taking a guy off. Take two guys off, whatever it is, and, and open it up a little bit more. I don't know. Does that make any sense at all or... Because I don't know soccer that well, is that just a stupid idea? Help me out, Brinson. No, it's not. No, it's not a bad idea. I mean, it's an interesting concept. They do that in hockey during the regular season, where once they get into OT, they go four on four instead of five on five, um, and then they have a shootout if if nobody scores after that. Look, I I, I love the shootouts. To be honest with you, uh, the save by the England goalie was absolutely spectacular that gave England a chance. And look, all the, all the goalies can do is guess. They, they just have to take a guess because these guys hit the ball so hard with their, with their stride and their foot, and it's so dynamic. And then when they make a save, just one save, it, it, it's just fascinating to me how that all takes place. I, I don't know if there's a good answer, to be honest with you, but to be perfectly honest with you, I love the shootout. I like the shootout in hockey. I like the shootout in soccer. Look, you play tiebreakers on the tennis tour because you just can't go on and on and on. The only time they don't play tiebreakers are in the majors, in the French, the Australian, U.S. Open, and Wimbledon, and that's the fifth set for the men, the third set for the women. Held a couple of years ago, Trent, you remember this, we had two players. One of them was John Isner, the American, against Mahout, and that, and that match went two days right. because it was in the fifth set. So, um, I, I guess I guess you're right in in one in one estimation, where you got to end it. And I like your concept of maybe subtracting a player here and there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that's got merit. I'd find that interesting, especially if they were down to five on five on that big field <laughs> like that. That'd be pretty entertaining. But I, I don't know if anybody would attack. That's the only thing I would think of. If everybody would just sit back in the defensive position, I don't know. That's why I guess I love the shootout because it is so spectacular for what it is. It is. It's uh, a tough way to end it for Columbia. It is. You know, as, yeah. as you watch them afterwards today, I mean, just that goal late in extra time, in stoppage time, 93rd minute, yep. incredible, had a great opportunity, then got the corner kick and scored off of it. Jim, I love it, and and I know you have been one of the people, and I've heard many out there that don't like the flopping and the way that they argue. I, I get that, but I take that away. You know, there, there's arguing, there's complaining, all that stuff at all levels of sport. Oh, yeah. This level, playing for your country, high-level sport, I mean, I, I'm all for it. I Without America, I did not think I would be nearly as into this as I have been, but I really enjoyed it, and well, Jim. Here's another thing: gambling helps when you got a little scratch on it. That that always helps things too. Keeps you a little more entertained. I mean, there's is there anything better waking up in the morning? You know, you already got a bet ready to roll. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for my degenerate broadcast partner, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. No wonder you have more interest in the way this is shaking out. I got you. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So what do yeah. you got planned for the fourth, Jimmy B? What are you doing? Are you a fireworks guy? What, what's on What's on tap for you? Um, I haven't decided yet. You know, I'm maybe a little golf during the day. Okay. Maybe a little pool time, and then I'll make my mind up uh, 
later at night. Look, when you're 92, you've seen a lot of fireworks. I'm okay? sure. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like that's an important part of my July 4th routine anymore. I don't know, but you got to take you got to take the family. You're going to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll head out and uh we will go as guests as we do every year to Des Moines Golf and Country because I'm a radio guy, I can't afford to get on there on my own. But <laughs> When I'm invited, I, I can make it out yes. there. So we'll be yes. hitting up and uh, hang, rubbing elbows with the who's who of Des Moines. And we'll, yeah. uh, we'll see if I can meet anybody good out there. I'll, I'll let you know on Thursday, Jimmy B, but we will be back. And, man, what a terrible – I hate Wednesday for the 4th of July. Nothing you can yeah. do about it, obviously. But right in the middle of the week, hey, we get a day off, which is wonderful. But like a little yep. bit more when we can maybe sneak a couple days off. Maybe that'll be – That'll be happening next time, but it's uh, always a great time. Looking forward to it. Going to make my way over, think, up to Valley Junction here this evening. Parade going on up there, so see if we can get a spot, get a little candy for the little one. And away we go with a lot of baseball this weekend. NBA free agency will continue. World Mm -hmm. Cup will be back in action when we come back, Jim. So uh, though it's quiet, it's always busy. It is. And you know what I'm going to do just because they're – are like some players that I want to see in the NBA Summer League. I might even sample one of those games later on tonight just for the heck of it, just to see how these guys are playing. Like Bagley is going to play. Uh, He plays for Sacramento. That's the late game tonight, Trent. So I might take a look at that. Mo Wagner is going to be playing for the Lakers tonight. I might take a look. You know, guys that we have seen a lot of, so Trey Young is going to be out on the court tonight. Um, so I might I might do a little bit of that. Not a lot of it, but you know, just to see what those guys are doing uh, in, at the NBA Summer League. You have problems, Jimmy B. The first step I is do. admitting it. Jim Brinson, locked and loaded for NBA Summer League. We'll be back on Thursday. Have a safe and healthy 4th of July. Enjoy the weekend, the day off, and we will talk to you again on Thursday here on 1700 KBGG.